wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's great! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for August 30th, 2018. I am Graham Jesus Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Another stack show on tap. You find folks here today talking all things Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live, and NXT. And, of course, my preview for All In this coming Saturday, live from the Sears Center in Chicago, presented by Cody, the Young Bucks, and the rest of the Bullet Club. Um, it's going to be great. I've been really looking forward to it since it was announced way back when. They have since added a slew of stellar matches to the card. A lot of big-time notable names added to the top of this event. It's going to be great. I'm a star-studded show from start to finish. I will give my predictions for the entire card coming up. It's not really about who wins and who loses, because at the end of the day, this card doesn't really play in anything. At the, I mean, another Ring of Honor World Championship will be defended, um, but this is not a Ring of Honor event. This is not a New Japan Pro Wrestling event. This is not a Lucha Underground event. This is not an Impact event. This is the biggest independent wrestling event um, probably of all time, with the amount of people they've since packed into the arena, 10,000 tickets sold in less than 30 minutes, um, all the people they've since added to the card, it's going to be huge, I know they have a few surprises up their sleeves, and no, I don't, I don't think it will include CM Punk, I said that from the get-go, that I don't think, I mean, I, I know it's up here on the channel, probably, I've talked about it here on the show for sure many months ago, I knew there was a chance CM Punk might show up, but Quite honestly, after the interview that he did with Ariel Hwani, um, right before UFC 225, 224, whatever that UFC event was where he fought his second fight and lost again, he made it pretty clear, even when Ariel brought up All In, Punk made it pretty clear that he was not coming back to wrestling. If, you know, you know it just, um, if only, not anytime soon. So I, I will not be surprised when he doesn't surface at Saturday's event. I, I'm pretty sure he's going to be setting this one out, even though it's in Chicago. It would make a lot of sense. Colt Cabana is also a part of it, and also, obviously, given their current issues, legal battles and whatnot, I would assume that he will be staying as far away from this thing as possible. Just Punk made it seem like it's not about not going back to WWE, and it is, but it's also about just not doing anything wrestling-related at all. Um, he just has no desire to be competing in front of crowds anymore, which makes no sense because he fought inside the octagon the very next night after doing that interview. But nonetheless, I guess wrestling is no longer his scene anymore, and he also support people that are in the business, which is very far and few between. It made it, it, he has since made it seem like he is not uh, very much behind a lot of people, very, not, you know, very much not talking to people that he used to be friends with inside the business, people like Samoa Joe and some others. Corey Graves obviously made it pretty clear many months back that uh, he and CM Punk were no longer on talking terms, on speaking terms. So I don't think he'll be there. I would be very surprised if he did. Hey, don't get me wrong. I think it'd be amazing if he showed up. Uh, cult of personality hits. And 
even though there is heat on Punk right now from some fans for all the bullshit that he's putting Cole Cabana through at the moment, um, I still think Chicago would go wild for CM Punk for their hometown hero showing up and making some sort of appearance on the show. Now, he's definitely not wrestling. Don't expect to see CM Punk in the fucking over-budget battle royal on the pre-show on WGN America. That's not happening. But um, for him to show up and maybe endorse the Bucks or something along those lines would be pretty fucking awesome. Obviously, if he was going to appear, they wouldn't. I mean, I guess they could say it outright, but they already have people's money. People are already watching the show. They might as well keep it a surprise. But like I said, I'm not putting all my money on it. I really do not expect CM Punk to show up. Um, it would be the perfect time for it in Chicago, a big fuck you to WWE. It's the biggest non-WWE show in the U.S. in years, if not ever. Um, so it would be a good place for him to return to wrestling, <clears throat> but I'm not at all expecting it and uh, foresee him setting this one out. Though CM Punk may not be all in, Neville could be all in on Saturday in Chicago. Um, it has since been reported by Pro Wrestling Sheet the Neville has since left officially WWE. Um, I mean, technically he left about a year ago, but I was recently thinking like, Jesus Christ, this guy's been out on the sidelines now for almost exactly a year. He lost the Cruiserweight Championship to Enzo More at last September's No Mercy pay-per-view. Two days later, I think it was on 205 Love, he had his rematch and Enzo got DQ'd or some shit like that. I think he made an appearance the very next week or the week after that, and that was it. We never saw Neville again on WWE TV. He had walked out on his contract. He wasn't happy, um, and he couldn't leave. He could not leave unless WWE gave him his release. It was a lot like the CM Punk situation from many years ago back in 2014 where Punk walked out on his contract, and they can't officially release him until his contract is up. Thankfully for Punk, his contract came due within five, six months by July of 2014, Neville, I'm not sure when his contract expires or expired or whatever. Obviously, they have since let him go. Um, according to Pro Wrestling Sheet and WWE seem to not go along with the rumors, but fuel the rumors just last <clears throat> just last night as I record this, when they moved his profile from WWE.com, from the Raw section, the 205 Live section, whatever, to the Alumni section. And I know they fucking did that with Kevin Owens too after he quit on Raw this week, obviously in kayfabe, but... They would not do that for no reason. So that seems to me, that spells out to me, that Neville is no longer officially with WWE. Now, if that's the case and his contract came due and they decided to let him go because he wasn't going to resign, then that means he has no 90-day no-compete clause, which is fucking awesome, which means that he could realistically show up in the biggest independent wrestling event of all time this Saturday in Chicago. Honestly, it's not too far-fetched that Neville may be all-in come Saturday. I think a lot of people are expecting it. I'm not going to put all my money on it. It's much likelier than CM Punk showing up, I will say that much. Um, But it's it's still fresh off of his departure from WWE. So it's not a guaranteed slam dunk, um, you know, a slam dunk guarantee that Neville will be all-in. But you never know. I mean, there's a pretty good chance. I mean, Neville was a very... Huge name, was a, absolutely a big name on the independent scene uh, before signing with WWE many years ago. It would seem to make sense that he would return to his roots as an independent wrestler, starting with what else but All In. So I think it'd be awesome if Neville showed up on Saturday. I know people, some people are speculating maybe he shows up in the pre-show Battle Royal and goes on to face Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor World Championship and maybe defeats Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor World title. 
Honestly, that would be awesome. I don't see that happening. I think it'd be way too quick. I think it'd be great. And it's not too out of the it's not too out of the question for Neville to leave WWE then sign to the Ring of Honor immediately afterward. Um, but I think that deal would have to come together way too quickly for him to show up at All In and then win their world championship on this show. I don't see him doing that. I don't see him showing up in the Battle Royal and then beating Jay Lethal for the belt later on in the night. I think it'd be awesome. I'm not expecting it. Um, I would see him taking the spot that CM Punk, I think a lot of people thought that he would have, and just showing up somewhere on the show, cutting a promo about how he is all in and that he's here to support independent wrestling, which is where he's going to be for the foreseeable future. So I could certainly see a situation along those lines where Neville uh, makes some sort of an appearance on Saturday, declaring that he's all in and maybe starting a feud with someone on the independent scene that leads to a match in either New Japan or Ring of Honor. I think Ring of Honor would be a great fit for him. As with New Japan, really, there's great matches to be had with Neville pretty much anywhere in the world right now, so it doesn't really matter where he signs. Um, But having him be all in on Saturday would be a pretty fucking awesome way for him to be brought back into the independent wrestling fold. But speaking of all in, before I get into my all in predictions, I know I talked all about it with CM Punk and Neville there for quite a few minutes. I will say this, I am Graham G.S.M. Matthews, of course. You guys can find me on the socials on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook as well at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. Give the page an old thumbs up. Find me on YouTube as well at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham G.S.M. Matthews. And also on NextAirWrestling.net for my full written reviews of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Main Event, Lucha Underground, Impact, Ring of Honor, and of course, all in this Saturday. NextAirWrestling.net is also where you can find full episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday, in addition to iTunes. Simply go to your Apple Podcast app, type in WrestleRant Radio, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. You not only get every new episode on Thursdays immediately streamed to your device as soon as the episode is uploaded to Podbean, you also get every archived episode dating back to October of 2013. So be sure to jump on this deal, which is a steal of a deal completely free, of course, right now. It is now easier than ever to check out WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday and all the archived episodes dating back almost exactly five years. So jump on that right now, subscribe to us on iTunes, rate the show as well, review the show as well. All that support is greatly appreciated. So like I said, guys, we're talking All In to start off the show here today. I'm fucking looking forward to it. I cannot wait. Um, All In should be a great show. Unfortunately, I will not be All In on Saturday night as I got to go All In to work. On fucking around that time on Saturday night. So I cannot watch the show live, unfortunately. I will be there in spirit. I was in Chicago earlier this year, back in June, for Money in the Bank weekend, obviously. If I wasn't going to that, then I probably would have gone to this. That would have been fucking cool. Um, it wouldn't have interfered with anything with, like, school or whatever. My classes are a little later on in the week. So it would have been great to go, but I was just in Chicago in, in June for Money in the Bank weekend, so obviously I could not be all in this time, maybe another time, but Chicago is a great city, they have great fans there, the Pro Wrestling Tea Store is well worth checking out if you're going to Chicago this weekend, I was there for the first time a few months ago, like I said, and had a blast, I got to see him puncture, the people are great there, Have a they have a lot of awesome wrestling merchandise, if you're into wrestling t-shirts, then that's the place for you, it's, it's like heaven on earth for wrestling fans, so be sure to check that out if you're in the area this coming weekend. 
Um, but yeah, so I will not be watching the show live this Saturday. They are streaming the pre-show on the Fight TV app in addition to on WGN America, which is a pretty big fucking deal for an independent pro wrestling show. Again, it'd be one thing if it was Ring of Honor or New Japan. No, this is fucking an all, this is an independent pro wrestling show put together by Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks. That's a pretty big deal. Not even like New Japan gets on whatever station they air their shows on. Access, which is cool and all, but a lot of people do not get access. A lot of people rather do get WGN America. So if you have WGN America, be sure to check out the pre-show. I forget when it starts. Um, I won't even be around to watch that, but I will be around, I think I'm working Sunday night, so I'm probably going to watch the show, if not the first thing that I watch when I get home that night, um, but very likely the next morning before I go to work in the afternoon. So I will be watching All In at some point this weekend. My full written review will be up a little later on on Sunday, fingers crossed. And my audio review, of course, will be talked about right here. Uh, I, I will be talking about the show right here on WrestleRant Radio next Thursday. Um, but you can watch the show a variety of ways. I mean, obviously you can watch it on traditional pay-per-view. They have it on the Fight TV app. The Fight TV app is great. That's where I watch all the Ring of Honor episodes every single week, every Monday. They're great with that stuff. It's been around for a while now. Definitely check out the app. It's like 30, 40 bucks, I believe, to order the pay-per-view, which I know sounds like a lot in the age of the WWE Network where you're only paying $10 a month. But trust me, this shit is worth it. For HD quality, hopefully they don't run into any issues. It's going to be well worth it. Well worth the purchase. But if you don't want to spend the money on that, you can also sign up to New Japan World. They just announced this past week that All In will be available on the New Japan World app, their streaming service as well as on Honor Club, which I am subscribed to. It's a great service. That's where I watch all the Ring of Honor pay-per-views and their weekly episodes as well, in addition to Fight TV on the Fight TV app. Honor Club, I believe, if you sign up, you get it 50% off. If you're a VIP member, then you get it completely free. Thankfully, I'm a VIP member. I can watch the show in full the next day. I think it's going to be available right after it ends on Saturday night. So again, steal of a deal. Be sure to check out those... um, Various options to stream All In this Saturday. So now time for my predictions for All In on September 1st in Chicago, starting with the pre-show, the Over-Budget Battle Royal, um, which is no coincidence. That's not a, a joke. The Over-Budget, the Over-The-Top uh, over Rope, they truly are over the budget here with this show. Cody Rhodes said as much in an interview prior to the uh, prior to the show a couple of days back on one of their like All Us episodes, like the lead-up to the show. On YouTube, he was um, very adamant and talking about very open and honest and talking about how they had a budget laid out for the show, and they went over that budget. But it's going to pay off in the end, no doubt. But it is the over budget battle royal where the winner will earn a Ring of Honor World Championship match later on on the show um, on the actual card. This is on the pre-show. So as of this recording, the current combatants include. Jordan Grace, which is a female wrestler. She is the only female, I believe, right now that's involved in this thing. So, got to have some sort of intergender wrestling on the show. Some people may not be happy with that. I really don't care. I heard she's really, really good. Cool cool to hear that she's part of the match. Um, So, we have her, Moose, Rocky Romero, Colt Cabana, Ethan Page, Brian Cage, Billy Gunn, Jimmy Jacobs, Marco Stunt, Brandon Cutler, and Punishment Martinez. That's quite the um, mishmash of wrestlers there. From female competitors to female or to, to competitors from Impact, Ring of Honor, Lucha Underground, there's a lot of a uh, lot of variety in that one pack of competitors right there. Colt Cabana, of course, one of the most famous indie indie wrestlers of all time. 
Um, he's involved in this thing as well. Um, yeah, out of, out of those current competitors, I'm sure more will be added. I think it's supposed to be 15 people. That is currently, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. So that's 11. They have four more spots. There's always the chance one of these people I just said can't make it or won't be a part of it, whatever. But yeah, this should be good. Um, out of these competitors getting the shot for the Ring of Honor World Championship later on in the night, I doubt it would be someone along the lines that's not like, a, along the lines of, like, a Billy Gunn who's not in Ring of Honor right now. Brian Cage and Jay Lethal would be pretty cool. Jimmy Jacobs would be cool. Uh, Rocky Romero seems kind of random. Moose, um, even though he's an impact now, kind of mixing it up for the Ring of Honor World Championship would be, would be pretty cool. I'll go Punishment Martinez. I know he's the current reigning Ring of Honor World Television Champion. Uh, but him and Jay Lethal have mixed it up before. I've had great matches. So I'll go with Martinez. And if it is Martinez, either way, I do not see Jay Lethal dropping the Ring of Honor World Championship so soon. He just won it just a few months ago, right after the Best in the World pay-per-view. He's still early on in his reign in his second stint as Ring of Honor World Champion. Again, like I said, aside from a potential Neville appearance on this show, I would not take the championship off of Jay Lethal so soon. So I got Martinez for the Battle Royal and Jay Lethal going over in the actual title match a little later on in the show. Also on the pre-show, we have the Briscoes, the current Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, taking on SoCal Uncensored, Scorpio Sky, and Frankie Kazarian. Uh, this will not be for the Ring of Honor World Championships, or the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles, as of my understanding, as far as I know. Um, they could be clashing for the championships at the upcoming Death Before Dishonor show, coming up in September, I believe it is. So maybe they save their championship clash for that show, but... As far as this show goes, it's non-title. I think SoCal Uncensored's going over. They are feuding with the Briscoes currently in Ring of Honor. It is a non-title match. A win here could earn them a future shot at the straps at that Ring of Honor pay-per-view. Got to keep momentum on their side. I go with SoCal Uncensored. Christopher Daniels, the uh, member of SoCal Uncensored who is not competing in that tag team match because he's busy with Stephen Amell, the star of Arrow, competing on this show. Um, this should be interesting. Amel does not have a ton of pro wrestling experience. I know he's competed in a few matches for, obviously, WWE at SummerSlam 2015, a match I was there for. He did pretty well on that night. He also competed for uh, Ring of Honor on a few different occasions and tag team action. He has yet to have a singles match in pro wrestling, so this will be his singles debut against one of the best in the world, one of the best of all time, and Christopher Daniels, a former Ring of Honor world champion, former multi-time TNA X Division champion, uh, one of the most seasoned vets in the business today. One of the most experienced as well. Um, I gotta go Daniels. I think Amel's gonna do really, really well. If anyone can get a great match out of a rookie like Amel, it's Daniels. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. He bumps around really well for people. This should be entertaining. It could be a massive train wreck. Maybe Amel embarrasses himself and it just does not go well at all, but... I think he's going to fare pretty well for himself. I know he's been training really, really hard with Cody based off videos that I've seen and interviews that he's done. Um, I give him props. Not many people would kind of journey outside of their comfort zone. I know acting is obviously his thing. You know, not many people would go outside their comfort zone to not only do something they'd never done before, which I know he's done before, but like never a singles match where he's not relying on another person to tag in and out. Not many people would go outside their comfort zone to do something like wrestling. And even if they do, they're not really taking it too seriously or training for it. They're kind of taking it lightly, going through the motions. Amel, like I said, as far as I understand, is taking this very, very seriously and is training his ass off to do the best job that he possibly can at All In because he knows all the eyes will be on him. 
Um, but despite that, I do think Daniels goes over. The guy's a former Ring of Honor world champion. There's really no need to job to a fucking actor, to job to Arrow. But uh, it should be good. I'm looking forward to the match, and Daniels goes over. Adam Page versus Joey Janela. That's what I wrote down here, but it's since been confirmed that it will be a Chicago street fight. And these two are probably the two perfect people to have that type of matchup. Um, Adam Page has had street fights before. I think he faced Punishment Martinez in a Baltimore street fight at that Ring of Honor Best in the World pay-per-view back in June, which was a great match. Um, I'll go Page here. I'm familiar with Joey Janela. Not not incredibly well familiar with him, but I am pretty familiar with him. Um, I'd go Adam Page unless Joey Ryan comes back. And this is going to sound dumb to anyone who does not watch Being the Elite. But Joey Ryan has been dead, kayfabe, in storyline now for months after being killed off by Adam Page. Obviously, he's not actually dead. He will be brought back at some point. He can't play dead forever. I think if there's any time to bring him back from the dead, it would be on the show right here. So unless Joey Ryan comes back to cost Adam Page the victory, in that case, I have Joey Janela. Um, In this case, where he doesn't interfere, I assume that Adam Page goes over. In a four-way match... Uh, And what I read was the first or second ever, rather, women's match streamed on the New Japan World app. The second ever all-women's match streamed on New Japan World, which is pretty fucking crazy. The other match was like a Bull Nakano match from years ago. Other than that, this is the first all-women's match on the uh, New Japan World app, which is pretty fucking crazy. But it's a four-way match pitting Tessa Blanchard against Chelsea Green, Britt Baker, and Madison Rain. Uh, four women I'm all familiar with. Britt Baker I'm not incredibly familiar with, other than the fact that I know she's Adam Girl, Adam Cole's girlfriend. Adam Cole Bebe, I think he's Adam I think she's Adam Cole's Bebe for life. Um, but yeah, we have her, Madison Rain, of course, a former Impact Knockouts champion. She's been in Ring of Honor in recent months. She will be competing um, in the Mae Young Classic. She's, I think they already taped the Mae Young Classic. So as of right now, she's not working for WWE, but it is pretty fucking crazy that she's going to be a part of All In on Saturday, competing for the Ring of Honor Women of Honor Championship next Wednesday on an episode of uh, Ring of Honor TV, and a part of the Mae Young Classic, which may be airing Wednesday as well. I think she's facing Mercedes Martinez, um, who was a part of last year's NYC. So if that match airs on Wednesday a part of the first round. That is pretty fucking crazy. That's a pretty awesome triad right there of uh, being all in, being on Ring of Honor TV, and being a part of the Mae Young Classic. That's not to mention either, not to forget about the fact that she was also recently a part of Impact TV too. Just a few short months ago, she competed for the Knockouts Championship um, at the Slammiversary pay-per-view like a fucking month ago. So Madison Rain in 2018 is one of the hottest free agents in women's wrestling right now, even more so than Tennille Dashwood, Emma, who's been doing great work in Ring of Honor, but she's kind of cooled off significantly since earlier this year. Madison Rain, though, she's been around for almost a decade, and right now she's in All In. It's not really a company, but she's going to be a part of All In, was wrestling for Ring of Honor, was wrestling for Impact, and now is going to be a part of the Mae Young Classic. Even if she gets knocked off first round, that's still pretty damn impressive. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing how Madison Rain does. I would, I would say WWE just sign her outright. I mean, obviously she's not the spring chicken that she was 10 years ago, but she could still go in the ring. Her mic skills are great. We learned that fairly quickly during her impact run years ago. I think she's really, really good. I'm surprised WWE did not attempt to sign her sooner. 
Um, I know she's been in and out of Impact for years now, and she had a kid a few years ago that kind of set back her progress a bit. But um, right now, she's she has never been more relevant than she is at this very moment. So if I was WWE, regardless of whether she wins, loses, or whatever in the Mae Young Classic, I don't see her going very far. A lot like like Tessa Blanchard last year, who was going to be a part of this four-way, who was not a part of the Mae Young Classic. Chelsea Green, I'm very surprised, is not in WWE already. I know she had a tryout a few months ago. There was no word on whether she's going to be signed or not, which was kind of weird. Britt Baker, I don't think she's a full-time wrestler, so I'm not surprised that she's not in WWE. Like I said, I know she's the girlfriend of Adam Cole, which will obviously um, help her out a lot if she wants a job with WWE, but I don't think she's a full-time competitor, so I'm not sure if that really interests her, because I know she's going for her like doctorate or something like that. Anyway, um, Tessa Blanchard was a part of last year's May Young Classic, got knocked out in the first round. That really just goes to show how star-studded last year's tournament was, and I mean, I know there have been rumors that she had attitude issues, and that was why WWE didn't sign her. At the end of the day, Tessa Blanchard is really fucking good. And she's been proving that nicely recently during her Impact run. Now, I would rather have her in NXT and WWE, but she's proving to be a big star for Impact as well. Um, so I have her going over here. Madison Rain is good. Obviously, I I just don't see why she would win here if she's obviously... I mean, again, it's all in. It doesn't matter who wins and who loses. Um, but Tessa Blanchard is the future. Chelsea Green is good. Britt Baker is not a full-time wrestler. I'd go with Tessa Blanchard. I think the only real reason Britt Baker is a part of this match... If I'm not mistaken, because um, I'm not sure if she was all in from the get-go, I think she's replacing Deanna Perrazzo, who ended up getting signed by WWE and had to pull out from the event. So the same thing could happen to Madison Rain. Obviously, she will be competing in the match. She won't be pulled before Saturday. But I could see a similar situation where WWE scoops her up before she wrestles more matches for Ring of Honor and Impact, and she goes to NXT. The NXT Women's Division has a lot of great talent right now between Shayna Baszler, Candice LeRae, Bianca Belair, Nikki Cross, Vanessa Bourne, um, Dakota Kai, and a lot of other women. But once Baszler gets called up sooner rather than later, that's going to leave a pretty noticeable noticeable gap in that NXT Women's Division. So enter Madison Rain. I think it should be a great fit for that brand if um, they end up signing her sooner rather than later. But anyway, I know I went way off track with my prediction there, but I got Tessa Blanchard going over. Um, in another match on the all-in card, I already talked about Jay Lethal versus mystery opponent for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Unless it's Neville, I do assume Jay Lethal is going over and retaining his championship. Um, let's see here. Also, in six-man tag team action, this is going to be fucking great. The Golden Elite, consisting of Kota Bushi and the Young Bucks, are taking on Bandito, Phoenix, and Rey Mysterio. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I do think the Golden Elite are going over, not just because, oh, it's the Young Bucks show and whatever, they have to win all their matches. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think it is kind of true. Um, I think the only member, spoiler alert for the rest of my predictions, the only member of Bullet Club that's not going over on this show, in my opinion, will likely be Marty Skrull. I'd be shocked if he beat Okada. Um, but yeah, I do think the Golden Elite are going to win. I mean, why wouldn't they? I know Rey Mysterio, Phoenix, and Bandito is like a dream team right there of uh, some of the best luchadors in the past 15, 20 years, but they're not a regular trio. They're not a regular tandem, so it makes no sense uh, for them to go over. Again, it's not about what makes sense. It's a fucking, I don't want to say shit show, but it really doesn't matter. This show is really all about having fun. So win, lose, or draw, these people, it doesn't really, it's not going to affect anything when they win or lose, but 
the Golden Elite, I know they're not the Ring of Honor or six-man tag team champions. It's the it's the Young Bucks with Cody, not Kota Ibushi. But I just think they're the more cohesive unit. And after an amazing match, the Golden Elite are going to go over. I mentioned Okada versus Marty Skrull. This is also going to be a great match. I'm not sure if they've ever faced off before one-on-one in like New Japan or on any indie shows. I don't think so. Um, Okada, I know he's kind of fallen from grace, not dramatically, but like storyline-wise, since losing the IWGP Heavyweight Championship back in June to Kenny Omega, but he is still a pretty big star, as is Marty Skrull, but if Marty Skrull can't win the Ring of Honor World Championship on multiple occasions, then I don't think he's beating Okada either. I'd be shocked. I know they're telling the story that Marty Skrull can't beat Okada and people aren't taking him seriously. You would think storyline-wise that would be setting him up to win. Um, But I could see a situation where he comes close to winning and just earns the respect of Okada in defeat. So I've got Okada going over there. For the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship, I've really enjoyed the build-up to this bout between Nick Aldis, the current champion, and Cody. Cody's definitely winning. There's no question about that at all. Um, Cody winning and becoming the world's heavyweight champion for the NWA, the same championship as Dad held. I mean, come on, it writes itself. I love Nick Aldis, the former Magnus from TNA. I know he's had some beef with people in WWE, which is why they didn't sign him, or Triple H saw nothing in him, or the people that are in his Triple H's ear didn't see anything in Nick Aldis. I call bullshit the guy's not the most amazing, most exciting wrestler in the world, but he plays the part to perfection. I mean, look at Bobby Roode and EC3. Those are two people who aren't the most exciting in-ring competitors, and I know they have personality, maybe Nick Aldis doesn't, but I think this NWA world title run really has brought it out of him. He really has come into his own as a great heel um, during his time on top as the NWA world's heavyweight champion. But I think his time has come. It's time to change that championship from Nick Aldis to Cody. And Cody will become the new NWA World's Heavyweight Champion on the show. The thing is, with this match, I'm not expecting it to be great. Um, Like I said, Nick Aldis really isn't the greatest in-ring competitor ever, the most exciting. So, neither is Cody. Which is why I really don't think this match is going to be that good. Cody is great with the smoke and mirror shit, and like, no pun intended. I know that was the title of his old theme song in WWE. But he's great with, like, entertaining matches, but not, like, Matt Classic hold-for-hold matches. And neither is Nick Aldis, which is why I don't think this match will be very exciting. I do expect it to be pretty boring. But I hope they exceed my expectations, and I assume Cody Rhodes walks out as the new NWA World Champion. Um, I did not save that for last, just because I hope that's not the main event. Cody winning the championship will be a big deal, but... In terms of the match itself, I don't see it being the best match on the show. This match that I would put in the main event, I would see this as being the best match on the show. Between Kenny Omega and Pentagon Jr. Pentagon, Pentagon Dark, whatever the fuck you want to call him. You can call him one of the best in the world because he absolutely is. Pentagon Jr. has been one of my favorite wrestlers since I first saw him in Lucha Underground in 2014-2015. The guy's been doing great work recently as Lucha Underground champion in Lucha since the start of Season 4. He was Impact World Champion a few short months ago in Impact. The guy has really been one to watch in wrestling in 2018. And now he's facing the IWG, IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Now again, like I said, it doesn't matter who wins, who loses. Who wins, who loses. I do expect Omega to go over. I don't think Pentagon would beat Omega, um, beat the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, and then not get a title shot. Pentagon's currently wrapped up with Lucha and Impact right now. I don't think he's going to. Uh, I don't think he's going to New Japan anytime soon. 
That being said, um, it would be kind of weird for him to win here. I would love if Pentagon won. Don't get me wrong. I fucking love Pentagon Jr. I just think it wouldn't make much sense to have him beat the New Japan World Champion and then not get a title shot. So the match should be great. Um, I guess it, there is something to be said for if it was a championship match, then Omega would win. But if it's a non-title match, doesn't that mean Pentagon Pentagon Jr. is going to win? Not necessarily. Um, I do have Omega going over here. The match should be fucking phenomenal. I have no doubt about that. Pentagon's great. Omega's great. Omega, I don't think, has lost many matches in 2018. I know he lost to... No, no, he beat Jericho. Um, He won a lot of his matches before losing the... United States Championship to Jay White towards the onset of 2018. I know he lost to Ibushi in the most recent G1 Climax. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Where, I mean, I think that's going to lead to an IWGP Championship match between those two at some point. Um, point being that Omega has not lost quite a bit in 2018. I don't think that ends here. I think he goes over Pentagon in what will be the best match of the night. So that's my preview and predictions for All In on Saturday. It should be one hell of a show. I cannot wait to watch it late Saturday night on Sunday. Um, I am a bit disappointed. I can't watch it live, but I'm going to avoid all spoilers. So if you listen to this before All In and you follow me on Twitter, on Facebook, whatever, don't fucking tweet me any spoilers. I will hate you for life. I mean, I won't look at Twitter anyway, but if you text me anything or if you tweet me anything and it goes to a push notification on my phone, usually I don't look at that shit anyway until I've already watched the show, but if you go out of your way to spoil the show for someone who you clearly know has not watched it yet, then fuck you. You are the scum of the earth and the planet's worst type of person, but if you are watching it, enjoy on Saturday. It should be one hell of an event. Now, moving on to some less exciting things with WWE in the past week. I really enjoyed SmackDown NXT. I thought was pretty good as well, as was 205 Live. When I say not so exciting things, I'm really just talking about Raw for Monday, And quite honestly, there wasn't a lot to discuss anyway. This is a pretty dull show, all things considered. Um, We opened the show with Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre interrupting Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman. We also found out in the segment that Braun Strowman will be cashing in his Money in the Bank briefcase at Hell in a Cell, which is why Corbin took the briefcase away, which is why Strowman did not have it at the end of the show, which is why he couldn't cash in on Roman, because he already technically cashed it in. For hell in the cell. I've never seen that before, but I guess it's a thing where you can cash it in ahead of time and um, not have it for the remainder of the time before the event in which you decided to cash it in at. I've never seen that before, but it did explain why Strowman did not cash in at the end of the show when he laid out Roman Reigns. Anyway, so we are getting Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman inside hell in a cell for the Universal Championship. I'm not as upset that that match is inside hell in the cell. I know they just recently rekindled their rivalry. But they've had a feud going now on and off for like the better part of the last year and a half. Um, You know, they faced off at Fastlane last year. They had ambulance matches, last man standing matches, steel cage matches. They've really had every match imaginable. Um, Putting them inside Hell in a Cell does make sense. And I'm completely fine with that. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the match. I wasn't too big of a fan of what they did at the end of this episode, but I'll get to that momentarily. Moving right along here, Baron Corbin beating Finn Balor in a no-disqualification match. So, it started out as a standard singles match. Balor nearly had the match won. Really was not that exciting of a match to begin with. Kind of mediocre, in my opinion, if we're being honest. So, Balor nearly has the match won. Corbin gets himself intentionally disqualified, hits Balor with a fucking chair. Then, 
as now the head honcho on Raw, with Kurt Angle out of the picture temporarily for the time being, he restarts the match as a no-disqualification match, goes back in the ring, he may have gotten in another chair shot or two, um, hits his finisher, and wins the match. So Baron Corbin versus Finn Balor must fucking continue. Who gives a shit? The saving grace of their match at SummerSlam and Balor beating Corbin as decisively and as quickly as he did, the saving grace of that was that we didn't have to see another fucking match between Finn Balor and Baron Corbin. And now the feud continues because Balor lost again. So 50-50 booking strikes again. Huzzah! And Corbin and Balor will likely have another match where Balor will probably win. Which he should. But any momentum that Balor had, what pisses me off about this more than anything is that any momentum that Balor had coming off of SummerSlam when he came back as the Demon and got this great reaction and people were excited to see him. And then he took Roman Reigns to the limit on the next night's Raw for the Universal Championship. Any sense of momentum that he got from those two big appearances was fucking squandered here in a mediocre match with Baron Corbin and then getting beaten by the Constable for no fucking reason at all. This was a complete waste of time. Speaking of waste of time, Sasha Banks taking on Dana Brooke. The story here was that Titus O'Neil got Dana Brooke a match on Raw for the first time in a long-ass time. She's not wrestled a singles match on Raw in many, 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 many months. And with Titus Worldwide seemingly breaking down um, at the seams, you know, kind of cracking at the seams here, whatever the fucking expression is, they're on their way out. They're they're, They're heading to Splitsville here, people. That's what I'm trying to say. Dana Brooke... Um, is not too happy with her current position in the group. Neither is Apollo Crews. Titus Worldwide trying to keep them all on the same page here. So he got Dana a match with none other than Sasha Banks. The match went all of two minutes. Banks went over in decisive fashion. And that was it. A complete waste of time. Sasha Banks gained nothing from this victory. Dana Brooke is still as awful as she was before. This was a waste of time. Seth Rollins taking on Kevin Owens for the Intercontinental Championship was an excellent match easily and by far far and away the best thing on this entire show so Seth Rollins comes out talks about the shield coming back and all that other good stuff and then issues an open challenge for his intercontinental championship and then out comes for the first time since SummerSlam Kevin Owens who we have not seen since he got squashed by Braun Strowman at SummerSlam like I said so Kevin Owens comes out answers the challenge talks about the Downward spiral, the downward spiral that he's been on for months now, losing to Braun Strowman time and time again, um, you know, failing to win the Universal Championship back, failing to win Money in the Bank, failing to win the Intercontinental Championship. He wants one more shot at that IC Championship against a very familiar foe in Seth Rollins. And they went on to have a tremendous match. Um, these two work very, very well together. This was a great match. The crowd was behind everything they were doing. They were in Toronto, so the crowd was great all night, even though the show was really not that great. Um, This was a lot of fun. So Seth Rollins, in the end, scoring the 1-2-3. And what I liked about the match, too, was that you knew Seth Rollins was going to win, but they still made you believe at certain points that Kevin Owens had a fighting chance of becoming champion here. So I really, really liked that, where Kevin Owens had a lot of suspenseful near falls, made people buy into them, and made people think that, holy shit, maybe Kevin Owens could become the next IC champion on the show tonight. So I like that a lot. So like I said, Kevin Owens falls to Seth Rollins here, clean as a sheet, one, two, three. Rollins kind of nods his head in approval to Owens as he walks away. So we come back from commercial break. Owens is still in the ring with a microphone in his hand. And before he can say anything, he just says, I quit. 
And then he walks out. So Kevin Owens is no longer a part of the Raw roster. And if I was him, I would head right back to fucking SmackDown Live because Raw sucks at the moment. Um, it really is unfortunate. Any brand that Kevin Owens isn't on ends up being the best show. Like, during the initial brand split, um, when Kevin Owens was on Raw, he did some good work as Universal Champion, but SmackDown was clearly the superior show. So, Kevin Owens kind of got the shit out of the stick at that point. He was booked like shit the first year around. During the, um, that was after the first draft. After the first superstar shakeup in 2017, he goes to SmackDown. Gets on the A-show, so does Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal becomes champion. And then the fucking show goes down the tubes. And he was on the shit show with Junior Mahal as champion for months until he got drafted back to Raw earlier this year. Um, and now he's on the shit show again. So maybe it's not Kevin Owens. Maybe it's Jinder. Any show that Jinder is on ends up becoming the B show, in my opinion, in terms of quality. Because Jinder was on Raw when he first came back to WWE back in the summer of 2016. Raw was clearly inferior to, to SmackDown. To that. <clears throat> Excuse me. SmackDown was clearly inferior to Raw at that point. Or Raw was clearly inferior to SmackDown at that point, I should say. And then, Jinder goes to SmackDown, and the 2017 Superstar Shake-Up, SmackDown becomes the shit show. Also with Kevin Owens on it. Jinder gets traded back to Raw in 2018, and it becomes the shit show again. So again, maybe it's not the Kevin Owens curse, maybe it's the Jinder Mahal curse. Whatever show that that guy's on becomes the B-Show. Why not just fire him? And make sure that both shows are good. Or, I was going to say put him on NXT, but that would make that the shit show. And we don't want that. NXT is killing it at the moment. The last thing I need is Jinder Mahal in NXT. So forget I said that. Anyway, so Kevin Owens quits. I have no idea where this is going. I know people have speculated, oh, maybe he's going to become a Paul Heyman guy. I read that rumor a couple days ago. That rumor has since been squashed. Kevin Owens will not become a Paul Heyman guy. And quite honestly, I love that idea. I love that idea. I know we're long removed from the days of people becoming Kevin or uh, Paul Heyman guys from Cesaro to Curtis Axel to CM Punk to Cesaro. CM Punk was the only real success aside from Brock Lesnar. Cesaro flopped not because of Heyman or Cesaro, just because they booked him like fucking shit. <clears throat> then you had Curtis Axel, who did have some success as a Paul Heyman guy, reigning as Intercontinental Champion for a number of months, but he never got over because he was made to look like a loser at every turn. And then you had um, Ryback, who I like, but that was a complete waste of time. That did nothing. Paul Heyman did nothing to benefit Ryback at all. Ryback went on to lose to CM Punk in a matter of minutes of battleground. And again, a hell in the cell. The guy was made out to look like a fucking loser. So, of course, he didn't work as a Paul Heyman guy. Um, But I think Kevin Owens would work as a Paul Heyman guy, to be honest with you. I mean, let's look at it this way. The whole reason of being a Paul Heyman guy is like, okay, this guy can talk for me. And that was kind of the key with Cesaro, but Cesaro was already kind of a babyface when they put him in the Paul Heyman, which was a mistake, and they kind of forced him as a heel when he shouldn't have been a heel. Anyway, CM Punk is one of the best talkers in WWE history. Clearly, he did not need Paul Heyman, yet they were a magical pairing anyway because they had natural chemistry and history dating back years. Now, I don't know how far back Owens goes with Paul Heyman, but Kevin Owens is already a tremendous talker. He doesn't need Paul Heyman to cut promos for him, But as a pairing, I think it could work. And like I talked about weeks ago, Raw needs Paul Heyman. WWE needs Paul Heyman. I'm not sure what his status is. Brock Lesnar's out of the picture for the time being. Um, I'm not sure when he or if you'll ever be brought back. I think Brock Lesnar will be back at some point. I would presume about around WrestleMania season next year. That's my best guess. 
What about Paul Heyman? What what happens to Paul Heyman in the meantime? I know we saw him last week on Raw. He was petitioning for Brock Lesnar's um, rightful rematch for the Universal Championship at Hell in the Cell, and obviously was denied by Kurt Angle. Now, granted, Kurt Angle's no longer in the picture as the acting Raw GM. So he could be, you know, maybe Corbin has a change of art and says, yeah, Lesnar will get his rematch at either Hell in the Cell or Survivor Series or the Australian show, whatever. I highly doubt it, but that's just a theory. But going back to my original point, Paul Heyman, unless Brock comes back, unless Brock comes back anytime soon, he will not be a part of WWE programming at any point in the foreseeable future unless they paired him off with a guy like Kevin Owens. So I am all on board of that idea. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. Like I said, the rumor has since been squashed, but I like that idea a lot when I heard it. I think Kevin Owens would be a great Paul Heyman guy. It gives Kevin Owens something to do. The guy's been treated like a fucking loser for months now. The guy needs some sort of a victory. He needs some sort of a uh, big win. And it would make sense that he's down on his luck. He quit Raw. And the only way to turn it around is by joining forces with Paul Heyman. I like that idea tremendously. So we'll see where it goes. I don't think that's where it's going. I think he will resurface on Raw at some point in the not-so-distant future. Um, I think Owens and Balor would be a great feud for the fall or Kevin Owens... Owens and Lashley really doesn't doesn't really do a lot for me. Lashley's been ice cold for weeks now, months now even. Um, but I guess it's a fresh feud. We saw Lashley beat the shit out of Owens week after week earlier this year, but it wasn't a one-on-one feud, so I guess that would work. I don't know, but just an idea. Owens and uh, Bobby Lashley, but I would go with Owens and Balor. If not, Owens is a Paul Heyman guy, um, hopefully sooner rather than later, because just the thing with the thing with Kevin Owens is that, I mean, the guy is such an entertaining part of Raw. A lot like Rollins is really a part of the glue that holds that show together. If he's off the show for an extended period of time and he's not hurt, you're really just wasting away one of your only good heels. Because Jinder sucks. Baron Corbin really is not that good at all. Brock Lesnar's gone. Uh, Dolph and Drew are good, but I know they just technically turned Braun, which they should not have fucking done. But... Anyway, I don't know what they'll end up doing, but I think Kevin Owens, a show without Kevin Owens, really is not that good of a show. So you either bring him back as a Paul Heyman guy, or you turn him babyface. And they need heels right now, so I don't think they'll turn him babyface anytime soon, unless you're going to turn the entire shield or something. I know they just turned Braun Strowman, but I don't know. I really do think that um, that's not enough, and they need more babyfaces, or they need more heels right now, and I think Kevin Owens... Um, can help with that if they keep him healed. Make him a Paul Heyman guy. The Revival beating the B-Team in non-title action after knocking the B-Team off in singles action last week. They knocked off the B-Team in tag team action on this on this week's show, earning themselves another shot at the Raw Tag Team titles on next week's Labor Day edition of Raw. I don't think they'll win. If they were going to get the belts on the Revival, they would have done it by now. They would have fucking done it at SummerSlam or the week before that. The Revival are not becoming Raw Tag Team Champions. Maybe the authors of Pain, but not the Revival. I would be really happy if they became Raw Tag Team Champions. I just don't see it happening. The B-Team is already wore thin with me. It's already, wore out. it's already worn out its welcome. I like the B-Team. They're organically getting over, and I applaud that. But the Raw Tag Team division is in fucking shambles. And they really need a team to um, lead that division. And it could be the Revival. Now, they've been heavily damaged over the past year or so, but... They are better fit as, as Raw Tag Team Champions than the B-Team right now. I'll tell you that much. So Elias comes out for his usual shtick, insulting the Toronto crowd. You know what Elias always does. And then he gets interrupted. And what was a pleasant surprise, 
by Toronto's own Trish Stratus. Now, I think Stratus was on Raw for the Raw 25 show earlier this year that I was at the Barclays Center. Aside from that, she has not really been on Raw in recent years. The last real run that she had... Now, I know she was in the Women's Royal Rumble match six days later at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. But the last real run that she had as a wrestler in WWE was seven years ago. Seven years ago. Going into WrestleMania 27. Now, it should have been a bigger deal. Trish Stratus was a part of that year's Tough Enough season. So her being a part of the match was kind of part of the promotion for the new season of Tough Enough. Um, I think it was supposed to be her and John Morrison. Well, I mean, the, the original match was supposed to be someone else in there like Eve or whatever, because she was the Divas champion at that point. They put Trish Stratus in there instead. It was supposed to be Trish Stratus and Kelly Kelly versus, or with John Morrison versus Lay Cool and Dolph Ziggler. But then they got Snooki from the fucking Jersey Shore, which to her credit, she didn't do terrible. I would not have put her in that spot, but they wanted the mainstream publicity, whatever the fuck. So they put Snooki in there, completely overshadowing Trish Stratus. And Stratus never really had that one memorable final match in WWE. So, I'm glad she's coming back for this one last match. I I would assume she could always wrestle again. I'm not saying this will be her retirement match. They have not indicated as such. But she is coming back for another match with Alexa Bliss at Evolution, which I think I talked about last week. There are better people for her to face at that show, like a Sasha Banks or a Bayley or a Charlotte or an Asuka that would make for a better match. But I can see why they're doing it. It makes sense. People always call Alexa the... Younger version of Trish, the new Trish. Not be- they kind of look e- like each other. Not because, I mean, Alexa Bliss is like a fucking five-time champion by this point. Um, not because she's as good as Trish, but because she kind of came from you know a non-wrestling background that kind of looks similar, have similar in-ring styles to an extent, talk similar on the mic. So the promo should be good. If this segment was any indication, Trish going back and forth, Elias creating. Uh, verbal jabs back and forth. I thought this was great. It was really, really fun. The crowd loved it. And then Alexa Bliss got to get in some digs on Trish Stratus um, when she came out after the commercial break. So I thought that was great. Hopefully we see more of Trish and Alexa Bliss going back at it on the mic in the weeks preceding Evolution. Uh, Natalia then beat Alicia Fox in a match that really didn't matter at all. They were in Canada. She wanted to pay tribute to her father. That's fine. But the actual match really was nothing of note at all. Um, Bobby Lashley was said to have been in a match by Baron Corbin, um, said, you're in a match, Bobby, head on out there. And then uh, then Baron Corbin said, you're not facing one, you're facing two opponents in a two-on-one handicap match. And then it was revealed that I'm thinking, like, who is it? Is it a team from NXT? Is it the Authors of Pain? Nope, it's the fucking Ascension. How heinous of Baron Corbin to put Bobby Lashley in a handicap match with the Ascension. Ooh, I'm shaking in my boots. Needless to say, Bobby Lashley made short work of the Ascension. This sucked. What a waste of time. Uh, Dean Ambrose beat Jinder Mahal in a nothing match. The crowd was into everything Ambrose did, but really, what purpose did this serve aside from killing time? Ambrose looks good. um, Hasn't looked good since coming back, but Jinder Mahal does nothing for me. The guy sucks. So, obviously, whenever Mahal was on offense, I did not get two shits about this match. And the actual main event was nothing of a note either. That tag team match I mentioned earlier, Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman versus Dolphin Drew. You knew Dolphin Drew weren't winning, so who could the fuck could possibly care? So in the end, Dolphin Drew get disqualified by kicking too much ass in the middle of the ring. Um, Braun does not come out to save Roman Reigns. Instead, he aligns with Dolphin Drew in laying out Roman Reigns. Then Dean comes out, they attack him. Seth comes out, they attack him. So Braun, Dolphin Drew are less standing tall over the shield. 
seemingly turning Braun Strowman heel. Now, I talked about this more in depth on Hashtag. I do got to wind down in a few minutes, so I'm not going to talk about this at length. But it's like, if they are actually turning Braun Strowman heel, what a dumb fucking decision that is. Um, just because he's one of the most organically over people on, on their entire roster, including SmackDown, to turn him heel would be so stupid just to, what, get Roman Reigns cheered? It's not going to work. They'll cheer the Shield. They won't cheer Roman Reigns over Braun in a one-on-one environment at Hell in a Cell. So, again, I'm not convinced it was a full-fledged heel turn. We'll see on Raw this week. Because, again, remember, lest we forget, it was one week earlier that the Shield turned on um, Braun Strowman and laid him out with a fucking triple powerbomb. So, if they're... No, if they're going to do fucking heel shit, then why can't Braun Strowman, just because he was endorsed by Dolphin Drew, give me a break. So I just say an eye for an eye. Braun Strowman tweeted as such the very next day on Twitter or later that night, whatever. It makes sense to me. If you're going to fuck me over and outnumber me with your own buddies, why can't I do the same thing? Even if, even if the people that I'm teaming up with aren't really that good of people, then who fucking cares? It makes sense to even the odds by having uh, by having Dolphin Drew in Braun's corner. So, I, I don't know. I just, the whole thing was dumb. If they are turning him heel, what a dumb decision that is. And that also means to me that Braun is not becoming champion to Hell in the Cell, which again is a complete waste of the Money in the Bank briefcase. What a fucking waste. So, I was not a fan of this episode of Raw at all. Owens and Rollins was great. Stratus showing up was great. That was really honestly about it. The show just dragged on and on and on for me. SmackDown Live on Tuesday was a bit better. We kicked off the show with the celebration from the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions, The New Day. And before they can call themselves the five-time, 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 five-time SmackDown Tag Team Champions, they were interrupted by none other than King Buka, who, of course, is a master of calling himself a five-time, 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 five-time champion. Uh, So Booker celebrated and endorsed the New Day. I thought this was a lot of fun. Kind of broke up the um, monotony of the opening segments on wrestling shows with authority figures. I thought it was a lot of fun, and the crowd enjoyed it as well. They got a big pop. Uh, No one was expecting Booker T to come out. So, And King Booker, nonetheless, either. So I don't think we've heard the King Booker music on WWE TV in like over a decade. I know he was on SmackDown, like SmackDown's 900th episode, I think, as King Booker backstage, but never in the ring. So I thought that was cool. So speaking of the tag team titles, we now have a tournament to determine the next SmackDown Tag Team Champions number one contenders. Um, This match, so the tournament basically is two triple threat matches, and the winners of those two triple threats will face off um, in two weeks on SmackDown to determine the new number one contenders. Because the Bludgeon Brothers are out because Eric Rowan got hurt. So this one pitted the bar against the Colognes, who we've not seen on TV together in over a year. Honestly, completely forgot they were even a part of the roster. But the bar beat the Colognes and Gallows and Anderson. What started out, you know, it was kind of slow, but it turned into a good match down the stretch. Next week, it's Sanity, the Usos, and Rusev Day. I got, um, I got Rusev Day going over. We've seen the bar and the Usos before. They've always killed it. I think the bar makes sense as the next number one contenders. But, you know, Rusev Day, they just got back together. They're on the same page. I would give him. I would get him at least to the number one contenders match, to the finals of the tournament. That's the very least that I would do anyway. Um, so that's my prediction for next week's triple threat match. Jeff Hardy then emerged to call out Randy Orton and challenge him to a Hell in a Cell match at next month's pay per view. Now that's all well and good. The feud actually makes sense for a Hell in a Cell match. I am a bit disappointed that as of right now, 
Hardy and Orton are inside Hell in the Cell and not Joe and Styles. I think Joe and Styles is more deserving of the stipulation, but Hardy and Orton, it's not like the feud just started. They've been feuding now since Extreme Rules. Um, they've gone out of their way to do heinous things to each other, taking their fight all over the arena. It makes sense for their feud to culminate inside Hell in the Cell, and if nothing else, I'm sure that was done to appease Jeff Hardy, who has asked for a Hell in the Cell match now for years, and that was a part of his you know, final goals before retiring was to compete in a Hell in the Cell match. I think he wanted one with The Undertaker WrestleMania. Clearly, that wasn't happening. But just to be inside Hell in a Cell at all, I think is great. Um, so Jeff Hardy is now in this match, in Hell in a Cell match with Randy Orton. The match should be a lot of fun. Um, these two do work well together. And um, yeah, I'm glad Hardy's getting his wish and being a part of a Hell in a Cell match. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun as long as he doesn't attempt to kill himself by doing a swanton bomb off the top of the cell, which... Honestly, wouldn't surprise me. This, this, this is the same guy who did a swanton from the top rope to the fucking ring apron at SummerSlam when he didn't need to, when he lost anyway. So it would not surprise me if Hardy did something dumb off the top of that cage. But that's likely why that was done. Good for Jeff for getting his long-term goal accomplished and competing in a Hell in a Cell match. But hopefully Joe and Styles will also be inside the cell as well. And we've had three Hell in a Cell matches on the same show before. Look no further than 2009 and 2016. I was at the 2016 show, and yeah, it was overkill. But all three feuds, you know, deserve the Hell in a Cell stipulation, as does Joe and AJ. Um, Billy Kay beat Naomi in a nothing match. Who the fuck cares? The match sucked. Uh, Daniel Bryan and Bella came out to address The Miz and Maurice, cutting a pretty good promo, explaining their actions from last week, before being interrupted by Andrades in Alamas. And Zelina Vega being challenged to an impromptu match between Brian and Almas, as made official by the SmackDown GM Page. Um, a really, really good match. It was dragged down a bit by the interference from The Miz and Maurice and Brie Bella and Zelina Vega. But the bullshit aside, they still had a really, really good match that made me excited for a future feud between the two down the road. Um, I know someone threw out the idea to me of a Brian Almas WWE Championship match at SummerSlam next year. Hey, sign me up. That sounds great. I would be in full favor of that if that ever happened. Um, but I do assume that next week it will be Brian and Bray versus Almas and Vega to kind of um, set up Brian and Bray uh, to kind of get them ready for Hell in a Cell. And it's not like, oh, Bray's first match back. It's going to be on SmackDown. She's already wrestling on fucking Raw anyway. It's going to be the Bellas versus or the Riot Squad in next week's Raw. So Brie Bella competing in both Raw and SmackDown in one week, which you don't see many times nowadays because of um, the brand split. But if John Cena can do it, if he can be a free agent and do it, why not the fucking Bella Twins? Granted, they're no John Cena, but they've gotten away with shit before, so why the fuck not? Anyway, so Samoa Joe came out again to interrupt AJ Styles. He didn't really come out. He kind of appeared on the Titantron and said... Um, and he pretended to get a call from Wendy or pretended to call Wendy, AJ's wife, and said, oh, I'll see you at the barbecue next week, all this other dumb shit. So the feud's heating up. I liked what they did here. It wasn't great. Kind of along the same lines of what we've been seeing in recent weeks. Um, but like I said, they do deserve to be inside the Hell in the Cell come next month's pay-per-view. And then the main event for the SmackDown Women's Championship, Charlotte Flair beating Carmella to retain the title. And what was a good match? When a, one of Carmella's better performances in recent memory. Hopefully this spells the end of Carmella's time in the title picture for the foreseeable future. Immediately afterwards, Charlotte gets laid out by Becky Lynch to a great reaction from the crowd. That's probably why they were so dead for the main event, because Carmella's a fucking... They hate Carmella, but Charlotte's not that much better in terms of goodwill with the audience right now. So Becky Lynch comes out, lays out Charlotte to a great reaction, and calls her a bitch. Before uh, closing out the show, I thought that was awesome. The old bitch card will never get old. 
oh, we can't call her, uh, you know, a C-U-N-T or a motherfucker or whatever, so what can we call her? Ah, we'll use the bitch card. Ah, huzzah. So that's like Vince is thinking with all this shit that they can't really call her some, you know, anything else, but they really want to push the envelope. They'll call someone a bitch. Oh, that really, that's going to really show them how, what a badass. But I thought Becky was great here. I thought her delivery of the line was awesome. The whole thing was fantastic. Real quick from 205 Live and NXT this week. Um, the only real highlights from both shows, from 205 Live, Mustafa Ali did return uh, to confront Hideo Itami. The main event between Buddy Murphy and Kalista was fantastic. Definitely check that out. From NXT, the main event was awesome. Undisputed Air versus Pete Dunne and Ricochet. Undisputed Air going over before being forced to flee from the ring at the hands of the War Raiders. So good stuff there. Keith Lee, another, another impressive performance from him beating Luke Menzies. Uh, Lars Sullivan came back. Dakota Guy beat Aaliyah. And Velveteen Dream confronted Johnny Gargano to set up their match for next week's episode of NXT. So that was 205 Live, NXT, Raw, and SmackDown. And my preview and predictions for All In this coming Saturday, which I will be talking about and breaking down on next week's episode of WrestleRant Radio right here on NextAirWrestling.net and on iTunes. Speaking of which, real quick before we go off the air, if you're not listening to this on iTunes... What the hell is wrong with you? Check out the show on xdaywrestling.net as well, but it is now easier than ever to listen and binge episodes of WrestleRant Radio. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. You not only get every new episode on Thursdays as soon as they're put up on Podbean on your streaming device, you also get every archived episode dating back to October of 2013. Nearly five years worth of content. So if you're bored, if you're on the commute, check out old episodes of WrestleRant Radio with a slew of great guests and awesome interviews right here on WrestleRant Radio. As for me, folks, you can find me on the socials at WrestleRant on the Twitter machine, on Facebook at facebook.com backslash graham.gsm.matthews and on YouTube as well at youtube.com backslash c backslash graham.gsm.matthews. Have an awesome Labor Day, folks. We'll be back next Thursday with an all-new episode of WrestleRant Radio. Until then, I'm Graham G.S. and Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Bye.